Do you like musicals? Do you like chess? Do you like 80s music? Then this episode is for you. It's One Night in Bangkok by Murray Head on the Super Hits Podcast. Here we go. Friends, I'm the past pawn, Jamie C, aka Megamix.com. I'm here with my co-host, the Dark Square Bishop, known as Slip. What is up, you international grandmaster? Uh, the bishop is that the one that can go only cornerwise? Diagonally. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Diagonally yeah. cut cornerwise. Yeah. Jesus. I'm a past pawn, so I'm fucked either way. <laughs> nice. I, I get removed from the board without even doing anything. Uh, um, it's episode 151 of the Super Hits Podcast. Today we're talking about Murray Head and his 1984 single, One Night in Bangkok. Uh, but in order to fully cover all the bases of this track, we first have to open up our board, place our pieces, and take a look at a musical that debuted in London in 1986. Uh-huh. It's called Chess, so let's slap that game clock and get playing. <laughs> before, you get into yes. the, before you get into the musical, uh, I, I have to say, I think it was when I was in grade 11 and you were in grade 12. Okay. At school, maybe it was, maybe you had already graduated. Maybe I was in grade 12. I all had a chess board at school and would play chess with people and keep. That was, yeah, that was after me. Yeah, and keep a record of my chess uh, matches in my agenda. So, yeah, well, because the year before, my, when I was in grade 12, we we played table football and I kept stats. Yeah, and you. Chess is definitely when when I was gone. Yeah, and you might be asking, uh, you know, was there a chess club at school? No, we just had a board and played chess. So, awesome. That's how cool I was. Anyways, back to you. Very cool. So, uh, chess is a musical. Uh, with music by Benny and Bjorn from ABBA. Yes. Uh, lyrics by the latter, and along with Tim Rice. And the script, or book, if you will, was written by Tim Rice. Um, the story involves a politically driven Cold War-era chess tournament between two grandmasters, one American and the other Soviet, uh-huh. and their fight over a woman who manages one and falls in love with the other. Uh, so she manages the American and falls in love with the Soviet. Uh, although the protagonists were not intended to represent any re- real individuals, the character of the American Grandmaster, whose name in the musical is Freddie Trumper, um, was loosely based on Bobby Fischer. Well, elements of the story may have been inspired by the chess careers of Russian Grandmasters Viktor Korchnoi and Anatoly Karpov. All right. Uh, chess allegorically reflected on the Cold War tensions present in the 80s. The musical has been referred to as a metaphor for the whole Cold War, with the insinuation being made that the Cold War itself is a manipulative, manipulative game. Uh, of course. Um, released in stage at the height of strong anti-communist agenda that came to be known as the Reagan Doctrine, uh-huh. uh, Chess addressed and satirized the hostility of the international political atmosphere of the 1980s. Um, the musical opened in London West, London's West End in 1986, where it played for three years. A uh, much-altered U.S. version premiered on Broadway in 1988, because, of course, they had to change it. Of course. So that American audiences could, you know, like, understand it. There was uh, the, the writer of the, of the book you know, like the, whatever the pamphlet they give out, right? Yeah. Uh, the script uh, by Richard Nelson, but it only survived two months on Broadway. Um, chess is frequently revised for new productions, many of which try to merge elements from both uh, the versions that happened in the uh, in the uh, late 80s, mid to late 80s. Uh, before the musical came out, uh, partly to raise money in order to produce the show in London and partly to see how the material would fare with the public, it was decided to release the music as an album before any stage productions were undertaken. Okay. A strategy that had proven successful with uh, Tim Rice's two previous musicals, Jesus Christ Superstar, which we mentioned last last week. Yep. And Evita. So this concept album 
that preceded the musical was a double LP released worldwide in the autumn of 1984 by RCA Records. Uh, liner notes included with the album featured a basic synopsis of the musical story in multiple languages, along with the lyrics and numerous photos. So uh, the album featured, uh, you know, Tommy Korberg, Elaine Page, and noted actor Dennis uh, Quilly playing the role of the American Freddie Trumper was British actor and singer Murray Head. Yes. Murray Head. Let's talk about him for a little bit. He began writing songs as a child and by the mid-1960s had a London-based recording contract. Uh, he briefly appeared as one of the hosts in the Bristol-based television pop show Now, alongside Michael Palin. Okay. He had limited success until, be, uh, until being asked by Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber to play Judas, Judas Iscariot on the original concept album version of Jesus Christ Superstar. At the time, he had been appearing in uh, the musical Hair. Uh, with the Trinidad Singers, the song Superstar peaked at number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1971. He made his film debut in 1966 as The Family Way. He then won a leading role in the 1971 Oscar-nominated film A Sunday Bloody Sunday. Despite these successes, he received little public attention in the next 10 years. Uh, between 1972 and 1984, he released uh, six studio albums that barely charted. Uh, only the 1975 single release Say It Ain't So Joe, which was about Shoeless Joe Jackson, <laughs> yes. uh, gained, gained any traction and ended up being covered by artists like Roger Daltrey and the Hollies. So by 1984, Murray Head was in dire need of a career jumpstart. Along came Chess, and more importantly, came the song One Night in Bangkok. Uh, let's take a closer look at the track itself. Just just before you talk about the track, on his Wikipedia page, they have a photo of him, you know, at the top performing in concert about 10 years ago. Yeah. They have this other shot of him from 1972. Uh -huh. He's sitting cross-legged on like yes. a pile of, of pillows. Yes. He's wearing, like, his hair looks like, uh, what's his name from uh, Journey? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Perry from Steve Journey, Perry, yes, uh, yes. from like the early '80s. He's sitting there cross-legged, and next to him, there's a porcelain duck. That's so weird. Sitting there. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, uh, I, for a second, I was excited because I thought it was a live duck, but it's not. It's not. Anyway, um, I we will talk. There will be a Steve Perry mention later. So, we'll oh, all right. That. So, the Chess Concept album was recorded at various UK studios in 1984. One Night in Bangkok was written and produced by Benny Anderson, uh, Bjorn Uvius, and Tim Rice. Uh, Murray Head sings the verses. Well, he doesn't sing; he kind of raps them. Yep. Uh, but the choruses are actually credited to Anders Glenmark, who is a Swedish pop and rock singer. Okay. Uh, on the album, the full version of the song begins with an orchestral introduction entitled "Bangkok." Uh, this serves as the introduction in the musical act two, feeding into the first verse of "One Night in Bangkok" itself with an abrupt change in musical style. Uh, a little over two minutes into the song, there's a flute solo using a difficult flutter tongue technique <laughs> similar to what was used on many Jethro Tull songs okay uh, this was played by a Swedish musician called Bjorn Jason Lind uh, the single version of the track clocks in at four minutes and six seconds which fits snugly into our acceptable range yep it was released as a single on October in October 1984 on RCA and I know what you were thinking because uh, a couple weeks ago I did this what else was going in the world on in the world in October 1984. I was very I don't curious. have a specific date, so I'm going to do the whole month. All right. So here's a quick rundown of some headlines. Mark Garno became the first Canadian in space. All right. Aboard the Space Shuttle Challenger. On that same mission, astronaut Catherine D. Sullivan became the first American woman to perform a spacewalk. Okay. Uh, on the 12th, the uh, provisional Irish Republican Army attempted to assassinate British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher and her cabinet in the Brighton Hotel bombing. All right. The terror attack killed five people and injured 31. 
Um, in October, also, the Detroit Tigers beat the San Diego Padres in five games to win the World Series. Um, it was around that time in October that the world learned of the famine in Ethiopia from a BBC report. Um, the premiere of James Cameron's The Terminator. Uh-huh. And the assassination of a tin Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi on the 31st. On, uh, so a spooky Halloween. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to find what happened on an October night in Bangkok. I tried. <laughs> uh -huh. I looked up Thailand, 1984, October. Nothing. All so right. We didn't, we didn't quite get it. That, that joke bombed. Anyway, back to the single. <laughs> uh, there are 65 versions of the single on Discogs. They are all 12-inch and 7-inch releases. Uh, the cover is styled like the cover of the musical's concept album and the, and the poster, really, with a jumble of white chessboard tiles on a black background. The single version does include a tiny photo of Murray Head's, uh, his head. Yes. So, um, there are lots of copies available for purchase. This will run you about 14 cents. Yep. Uh, do you have Do you have this single? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if I have the Canadian or American version, but yeah, I got this one. It was one of the uh, first there, ones I ever got. Yeah, it's, and it's standard. The B-side is the musical's opening song, Murano which is credited to the London Symphony Orchestra and the, and, and the Ambrosian Singers. Um, no other B-sides or no, no remixes on this one, folks. Just, just I know, they, uh, no, no, no knife feel-good mix no. of One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> yes. Um, it, has, it was included on a bunch of compilations over the years. Here are some notables. Solid Gold Hit Busters, Volume 2. I love that name. Uh, K-Tail's Chart Attack. Uh, K-Tel's Disco Nights, and I thought, isn't that the same name as the one you mentioned last week? Like, like K-Tel? It might have been. It must been. be a different one. Well, what year is yours from? 1984. Okay, yeah, mine was like 1990-something, so. K-Tel uh, Recycling. Yep. Actually, this may have been 1990, but I don't think it was. Anyway, uh, there's a Reader's Digest collection called Solid Gold 2. Okay. Uh, we've got Hits of the, Hits 85, Hits of the Hits, Monster Hits 2, High Power 5, there's another KTEL collection called Space Disco Dash Coke Is It. <laughs> yes. And it's not cocaine. It's actually a Coke branded uh, uh, compilation. All right. It's got a it's got a great picture disc of like a woman with a with a with a can of Coke and a straw. It's great. And uh, the compilation where I first heard this song, uh, the 1985 Canadian compilation, Here Come the Hits. All right. Yes. Now, Murray Head has released one greatest hits album in 1995. Uh, one Man Night in Bangkok is definitely on there. Yep. Obviously, the track was a major part of the musical. Um, but out there in TV land, it's also showed up in uh, the 1985 film Nothing Underneath. I think that's an Italian movie. A 1989 film Stormy Summer from somewhere in Europe. A 1999 episode of something called The Knock. Okay. A 2010 episode of ugh, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, a yeah. 2014 episode of One Hit Wonderland and uh, a 2016 episode of Scream Queens, just like Don't Want to Fall in Love. <laughs> yes. Uh, as for live versions, Head obviously performed this regularly during Chess's West End run between May 86 and April 1989. The show ran for uh, 1,209 performances. Uh, he then passed the role on to someone else on Broadway, and any he's not involved in any of the revivals. So List FM does list a lot of Murray Head concerts. But most don't have actual set lists. I can only assume he plays this consistently. Uh, his most recent performance of it was at Le Bataclan in Paris this past September 19th, yes. 2023. I did watch a live performance of the song by Marie Head from I don't know when. Um, it's from like German TV or something. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, he does his rapping verses, and then the backing track provides the chorus. It just sucks. It's not very good. Okay. I don't know. 
feels like it's from the early 90s, and it's not very good. Former WWE developmental wrestler Alex Dieter Jr. Uh-huh. used a cover version of One Night in Bangkok by Vinyl Shakers as his entrance theme on the European Indies. Okay. Um, apparently in WWE, they changed his name to Ludwig Kaiser. Okay, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, that's it for me on uh, on the uh, background and stats about the single. Uh, if you got nothing else, we'll go to lyrics. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I watched an HBO show called The Flight Attendant. Yes, and, the first uh, season. Yeah, and Sarah was terribly disappointed because the show literally features, and, and the plot revolves around a night in Bangkok, yet the song is not used at all in the show. So That's, that's terrible. I had to mention like, that. What a, what, a, what a missed opportunity. All right, lyrics. Lyrics. So I had kind of mentioned this. I was building up the lyrics about where this fits into the show, so here we go. In the original London production of Chess, the setting for the song is an interview by Freddie, who in the second act is in Bangkok to serve as a TV analyst for a match involving his rival, who he lost to in the first act. Yeah. Uh, the um, uh, he's 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 not participating. He's now a uh, commentator in the um, in I believe in the uh, American version, uh, the song appears not at the start of Act Two, but it's in the middle of Act One, where um, their match, this portion of the match, takes place in Bangkok. But anyway, okay. uh, the lyrics describe the Thai capital city and its nightlife in the context of a chess match, whereas the choruses extol Bangkok's reputation and exciting atmosphere. Murray Head's verses, as his American character, ridicule the city, describing its attractions as less interesting to him than a game of chess. Uh-huh. For example, he says, Siam's going to be the witness, the ultimate test of cerebral fitness. This grips me more than would a muddy old river or reclining, reclining Buddha. Um, fun fact, these sarcastic denunciations led to Thailand's mass communications organization issuing a ban on the song in 1985. Nice. Stating its lyrics caused misunderstanding about Thai society and showed disrespect toward Buddhism. You know what? It, it kind of does. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, the lyrics also mention actor Yul Brenner about six months before his death, who had played the King of Siam in the Broadway musical and the 1956 film The King and I, uh, which was also banned in Thailand. Okay. Uh, it mentions the uh, Tyrolean spa mentioned early in the song. It refers to Moran in the South Tyrol region of Italy, the site of Act One of the musical and the location of the World Chess Championship, the actual World Chess Championship in 1981. The song also mentions three places where chess tournaments have previously been held, um, Iceland, the Philippines, and Hastings, United Kingdom. Okay. There are other Thai-related references in the lyrics. Uh, they include, uh, you know, Thailand's former name, Siam. Uh, there's references to the Oriental Hotel. And, of course, some good old 80s-style uh, sexual stereotyping. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, despite the connotation, I do like this one little part. It says, I don't see you guys rating the kind of mate I'm contemplating, <laughs> which is great. I do like the wordplay. That's pretty swaggy. I mean, um, I, I like... What are your thoughts? Get tied. You're talking to a tourist whose every move is among the purest. I get my kicks above the waistline, sunshine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting set of lyrics for sure. I mean, owing to the fact that it's from a musical written by a fam- pretty famous lyricist, like, it's it's well done. Yeah. I would say it's at least one of the more intricately written tracks we've covered, for sure, from a lyrical standpoint. Like, it's got a lot going on. It's got a lot to say. Um, and it's very pithy, right? Yes. Um, it, you know, I mean, you could, there's just some problematic stuff in there, for sure. Uh, it's 1984. And uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. Um, don't listen to us, though. No. The internet has more than enough opinions on One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, from the Song Facts comment section, Richard Lambert from the U.S. says, I have to say, from a guy who's done some traveling, 
Oh, no. One evening, I found myself wandering the streets of Bangkok. Yeah, okay. Oh, no. Humming the song while singing the words and the double entendres stand up very clearly on their own, very literally, down to the uh, down to the, 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 the Queen's references. I don't know. Uh, so much of it is real hard to see the relevance, relevance or the presence of the U.S. versus Russia rivalry, the Cold War, or a chess competition. Uh-huh. Uh, no, there's a lot of chess references in the song, dude. Yeah. But I'm glad an expert was able to chime in. Somebody who's been to Bangkok and sang this while he locked, walked in, in the city. So. Um, Daryl from Eugene, United States says, I love this song, but one has to realize that one particular night in Bangkok or New Guinea or India or Java et al was like, namely when the tsunami hit in December, 2004, I think that the tsunami created all types of carnage and destruction as well as many looters. Mm-hmm. Uh, to that, I say, well, the tsunami in 2004 didn't hit Bangkok, <laughs> but I can, pre- I can appreciate the show of empathy. However, have fisted. What the fuck? All right. I, I have no idea. Like it didn't. It didn't hit. Bangkok nope. at all. Um, it was the other coast. It was down the coast on the other side. But anyway, thank you for that, Daryl from Eugene. Uh, Wolf from America says, "Good song, but I always thought of it as a bunch of incel nerds getting off about a chess match." LOL. Uh huh. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, over on song meetings, uh, Alistair, not Alistair, <laughs> Alistair uh-huh. says. This song and this play have a deeper meaning. Neither this song nor the play are about chess. They feature chess, but they're not about chess. This song and this play is about the Cold War. <laughs> Agreed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, Soy, B- Soy BKK says, as a kid, I always thought Muddy Old River or Reclining Buddha were some kind of chest moves. Uh, that'd be great. I, just... I love how they were, he thought they were chess moves, but he also called them chest moves. <laughs> I just I just hit you with a reclining Buddha checkmate. Yeah, that'd be a great finisher. Yeah. Uh, JJ says the character who narrates the song is the chess champion from the play who is going to Bangkok, Thailand for a tournament. Bangkok is well known for being a city, being a city, a haven for sex tourists because it has so many prostitutes and brothels. The guy in the song is essentially saying, "Whoa, I'm just here for the chess." <laughs> yes, that was in quotation marks. Uh-huh. Too, so I. It was implied that I do an accent. And uh, oh, I saved the worst for last. Uh, Sharp Hujo says, I was at one time part of a traveling chess team that became Oregon high school ch- school high school champions. Uh-huh. My teammate was Carl Wieman, who was the Nobel Prize in physics about 18 years ago. <laughs> Congratulations, Thanks, buddy. buddy. Uh, chess players much learn, must learn to blot out distractions so to concentrate and focus. I remember when the team went to the championship, the other players never left the hotel but to go to and from the tournament. So they were in Oregon and he's likening this to Bangkok. But anyway, Uh um, I took a walk in the strange city, Oregon or Portland. I don't know. All right. Like Freddie does in Bangkok. Years later, I would go to crummy hotels in many of America's inner cities and would take a walk looking for a fast food place or a supermarket. And like Freddie would be completely oblivious to the offers of prostitutes, pimps, drug dealers. I get my kicks above the waistline needs cerebral satisfaction as compared with the with genital. Oh. <laughs> I, for one, am, get this, male. I lack brain opium receptors necessary for sex drive or drug addiction. And I suspect that many other chess players are also. What the fuck? All right. Jesus. Fuck. All right. One night in Bangkok entered the Billboard Hot 100 on February 23rd, 1985 at uh, number 81 between Kim Wilde's Go For It and Patti LaBelle's New Attitude. Oh, okay. Uh, Go For It is 80s riffic. It's a decent enough song. 
I peaked at number 65. New Attitude, also 80s riffic. And yep. peak at number 17 is decent. They're both good songs. Um, One Night in Bangkok peaked at number three in the U.S. on May 18th, 1985. Uh, the rest of the, U- of the U.S. top 10 that week. At number one, excuse me, we've got Simple Minds with Don't You, open parenthesis, Forget About Me, close parenthesis. Number two, Madonna with Crazy For You. Number uh, four, number two is Madonna. Number four is Wham with Everything She Wants. Okay. Number five, Sade with Smooth Operator. Yes. Number six, The Power Station with Some Like It Hot. Uh, number seven, DeBarge with Rhythm of the Night. Okay. And number eight, ugh, USA for Africa with We Are the World. Right, wrong. <laughs> uh, number nine, Tears for Fears with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Okay. And at number 10, uh, Axe Left by Crazy Frog. I mean, Harold <laughs> Faltermeyer. Yes. That's a pretty good top 10 overall. Not bad. Uh, One Night in Bangkok also hit number 89 on the, ugh, this, I hate saying this name, Hot Black Singles Charts. What? Okay. Makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, number five on the Hot Dance Disco Chart. Number eight on the Hot Dance Music slash Maxi Single Sales Chart. And number thirty-five on the Adult Contemporary Chart. Sure. They got more. They got more charts than AEW's got titles. <laughs> Jesus. All right. <laughs> Nerd. Uh, internationally, it was a big hit, uh, reaching number seven in Ireland, number three in Norway and Sweden, number two in Austria, France, and New Zealand, and number one in Australia, Belgium, Finland, the Netherlands, South Africa, Spain, and Switzerland. In the UK, however, it only reached number 12. Oof. Uh, during the week of December 8th to 14th, 1984, uh, the US, UK top 10 that week. Okay. Number one, <laughs> Band-Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Oh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> uh, we covered that last Christmas. Number two, Wham! With Last Christmas. <laughs> yes. That worked out really nice. That was great synergy. Uh, it's not just Last Christmas. It's Last Christmas slash everything she wants. Okay. Um, number three, Frankie goes to Hollywood with the power of love. Number four, Paul McCartney and the Frog Chorus. Oh no! Doing "We All Stand Together." Uh, this was from, I believe, a UK animated film called Rupert and the Frog Song. Okay, <laughs> I can only imagine what this is like. Uh huh. Ah, uh, because '80s Paul McCartney. My God. Anyway, uh, number five, Madonna, like a virgin. Uh, number six, Jim Diamond with "I Should Have Known Better." Okay. Number seven, uh, I don't know, Shaken Stevens with Teardrops. Uh, number eight, Nick Kershaw with The Riddle. Number nine, Eurythmus with uh, Sex Crime, 1984. Okay. Great name. And at number 10, Alvin Stardust with I Won't Run Away. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. It's, it's the UK in December. I don't know. Yep. Uh, here in Canada, One Night in Bangkok entered the RPM Top 100 on January 26, 1985 at number 96. Between the aforementioned Steve Perry's Foolish Heart. Ah, there you go. And <sighs> Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. Yes. Uh, Foolish Heart is uh, it's soft rock, soft rock ballad nonsense. Uh, it had debuted as well. It would peak at number 74. It's so boring. Um, Dancing in the Dark. I mean, it is what it is. It's like inoffensive white bread Springsteen. Uh, it had previously peaked at number three. So good for it. Okay. One Night in Bangkok itself peaked number three in Canada on April 13th, 1985. Uh, the rest of the RPM top 10 that week. At number one, Ario Speedwagon with Can't Fight This Feeling. Jesus, Canada, go. At number two, Tears for Fears with Shout. Okay. At number four, we got Phil with One More Night. Nice. Classic. At number five, Northern Lights with Tears Are Not Enough. <laughs> of course. At number six, Julian Lennon with uh, Too Late for Goodbyes. Yes. 
Uh, we got Madge back on the charts in Canada uh, with uh, Material Girl. Okay. Uh, she's got the trifecta. She hit the trifecta in this one, along with uh, Murray Head. No, Murray Head didn't hit the top ten. So they're in the UK. So it's Madge. Uh, number eight, Gowan with A Criminal Mind. Uh, Foreigner at number nine with I Want to Know What Love Is. And at number ten, Wham! with Careless Whisper. That's quite the top ten in Canada. I think Canada I wins. I like it. Like, yeah. I would listen to a playlist of just that top ten. That's great. Um, and now for your RPN Magazine tidbit. Uh, editor Walt Grealis had this to say in his Walt, Walt Says column on April 13th, 1985. He says, are they really that hot? Double question mark. WEA's Gary Newman tells me that the label is so hot that both him and Stan Kulin have sunburn and are beginning to peel. <laughs> Could it be that a business slash holiday trip to the sunny climbs has clouded their business minds? Have they heard that Prince isn't going to tour anymore? Yes. Madonna has turned the other cheek. <laughs> there you go, Prince. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's that's Walt being uh, as cantankerous as ever. <laughs> uh, as for the 1985 year-end charts, one night in Bangkok did have a solid showing worldwide. It ranked in the top 15 for 1985 in multiple countries, uh, including Canada, where it ranked 17th, which is not included. It didn't. Canada's not included in the top 15. Yep. They were just outside the top 15 at number 17. It was also the top 10 in South Africa and Switzerland. It has been certified silver in France, gold uh, gold in uh, West Germany, and platinum in Canada. On Spotify, it has about 110 million streams across three different releases of the song. So I had to do some mathematics there. Oh, to figure math it out. 301. That's an approximation. Mm -hmm. On YouTube, the official video has uh, 57 million views since 2016. Uh, Chess was nominated for multiple Tony, Drama Desk, and Lawrence Olivier Awards. It won none. One Night in Bangkok was not singled out in any of those nominations. So. Okay. No awards for Murray Head. Uh, Murray Head. Let's go to covers and samples. Here we go. Murray Head. No samples used in the uh, making of One Night in Bangkok. It's an original uh, production. According to whosampled.com, it has been sampled in 12 other songs. I didn't recognize any of them other than the Vinyl Shakers version, which is not a sample. It's a cover. But, of course, the Vinyl Shakers version is... Yes. And it is horrific. Uh, as for covers, uh, other than Vinyl Shakers, we've got 21 others. Here's some notables. There's a version by the A-Teens yes. from 2003 that is just brutal. <laughs> so bad. Uh, Canadian singer and act actress Roby charted with her version in March 85. Uh, when it hit nine, when it hit seventy seven in the U S, it's fine. I have that on. Uh, I have that on seven inch. That's yeah, a fine fine version. Yep. You know uh, there are a lot of cheap knock cheap knockoff versions, but you know those uh, corporate cover groups that just put out like albums just filled with covers. Yep. Uh, they all suck. I listen to every single. They're all terrible. <laughs> uh, and in two thousand eleven, Mike Tyson performed one night in Bangkok in the film Hangover Part Two. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, the full version of the song is on the album soundtrack. Okay. Uh, it's totally terrible, but also awesome. The movie, however, is not awesome. No, it's not. Let's go to the video. Here we go. All right. To get some context, uh, the West End version of the musical from 1985 is from 1986 is available on YouTube. Okay. Uh, I gave a few parts of it a watch. The video quality is ass, but the stage looks very cool during One Night in Bangkok. Uh, Murray Head and the singers are on like a rotating chessboard type gimmick. And this backdrop comes down of these huge neon signs. It's fantastic. Okay. It looks fantastic. Uh, I, I wish those neon signs were in the video. Alas, they are not. Um, the music video was directed by David G. Hillier. 
Um, our AI friend ChatGPT described the video as such, and I'll add my notes. Uh, the music video is known for its vibrant and energetic portrayal of Bangkok, the capital city of Thailand. No. <laughs> it captures the essence of the city's nightlife with scenes of bustling streets, markets, and various cultural elements. No, not really. Nope. There's like one market, and it's like dingy and disgusting. Uh, the video also includes shots of Murray Head performing the song against a backdrop of Bangkok's skyline. No! <laughs> nope. That's, he's on a giant chessboard. Yep. Ah, uh, chat GPT. Minus five stars again. Uh, my notes on the video. And feel free to jump in or wait till the end. Okay. Uh, the video, uh, we get the Bangkok Overture uh, from, the from the single of the album, an animated chessboard breaking down taken from the uh, musical poster and the album single covers. The animation is awful. Uh, it's all shaky and terrible, but it's mid-80s, so whatever. It dissolves in the eye of a Thai woman in what I guess is traditional clothing. Yeah. I mean... Maybe. Who knows? Yep. Um, Murray Head uh, throws open these slatted doors into a cloud of haze, and he stands there silhouetted. It's not a bad shot. At this point, the orchestral overture is really overkill and hangs around way too long. Uh, for a music video. Uh, the song snippet does not match the visuals at all. Like, there's no cues that it's hitting at all. It's just him walking around with this song playing. Uh, right at the end of the overture, though, there's a little quick zoom out as One Night kicks in, and that's pretty awesome. It zooms out, and there he is singing it. Um, Head walks into a fancy room with a chessboard floor. Uh, he immediately sits down in a chair, and I think this is the exact level of excitement this guy's going to bring to the proceedings. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm not complaining. Like, I know he's, I'm not complaining because he's playing a character, but it's, he's just not a super engaging person. No. Like, and I don't think he's supposed to be, but he just, he sits down in the chair and you're like, all right, that sets the tone. Um, we get some better VFX uh, as a chessboard magically appears in the corner of the room. Then it disappears and reappears on the table in front of head. And the VFX are noticeably worse as the board jiggles as it fades because it's all like just bad effects um we get a nice shot of murray through the chess pieces in front of him which is a nice visual of yep. the chess pieces all huge and he's sitting there uh he now plays a game of chess with the woman from earlier um i like the previous shot but then they do a wobbly pan across the chessboard that just doesn't look good um we see a group of five people playing dress up as thai people <laughs> and i noted that one dude rolls his eyes into the back of his head like he's the undertaker yes of course, they have to depict a god with six arms. It even looks like it might be portrayed by a white lady, but it might be portrayed by the woman throughout. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to accuse it yep. of that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Let's just say um, this shot, though, dissolved nicely into a hand fan, which didn't look too bad. There's another cool shot. This one is uh, shot from under the chessboard as head sings and places a piece. That one's that's tremendous. And he actually emotes during the what do you mean line. Yes. He makes a, he makes a big, big hammy face. So good for Murray, Murray Heed. Uh, a little kid pours water in a sauna. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another great shot as the camera zooms out from Murray and shows him standing cross-armed between multiple sultry legs. That's a good one. Um, Head watches some uh, Muay Thai boxers mind-beating the shit out of each other. So... Uh, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I said the one guy ends up taking a bump. It's so bad. It looks like the bumps we took when we did backyard wrestling. Yeah, off a spin kick that doesn't connect. Yeah, yes. it doesn't connect. And then the guy takes a front bump because, you know, you don't want to yeah. land on your back. 
It actually looks like Ali the backyard beats so Grattan like spin kicking one of us, and we just don't want to take a back bump, so we fall on our stomach. Yes. Ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So there's that going on. I believe that there's some illusion in the lyrics. The, the below the waistline, right? Yeah, um, is kind of like a reference to the that style of of, of martial arts. I don't know. So anyway, uh, we get a spooky mask alert, which I thought was the great Kabuki at first. <laughs> yes, um, there's a ba- there is a Bangkok market scene. It's about two seconds. Yeah, and I just said to this, they go out of their way to make it look d- dank and depressing. Gotta love Western depictions of foreign cultures. Yep. Uh, there's the flute solo. We get Murray and the woman playing chess on a very cool lit up board and the pieces are comically large. Yes. Uh, finally, we get some dancers on a chess board as head lords over them in a video overlay. Okay. So they could have gotten better dancers, like not just for the music video, but like you were, you had a musical. Like if I well, went to a yeah, musical. That was my thought originally was like. Is this, like, clearly they would have improved this for the musical, but this is, like, before the musical, so I don't know. Yeah, like, if I went to a musical and this is what the dancing was, I'd ask for my money back, so. Terrible. I have to admit, and I didn't, couldn't really see in the video what the dancing was like, but what was like, but it had to be better than this. Yeah. Um, there's a little visual effect that sees uh, Heed ride up, rise up from underneath the board. <laughs> of course, he rises up from beneath the board, and then he stands there. Yes. And then walks forward looking so bored. And again, it makes sense, so I'll give it a pass. But then the video just kind of ends. At least there was some dancing. It wasn't very good, but uh, unless you have anything else to add... I'll just go to the rating. We'll rate this thing. All right, talk to us about the video and your thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of good visual effects in the video. Uh, You know, and, and like nothing... They didn't use a ton of, like, you know, computer graphics or technology, right? It was just the way they'd light up the room, the way they'd they'd shoot the camera... Um, so I liked how they did that, like lots of little tricky camera effects. Uh, Murray Head's character is supposed to be too cool for school, but he just looks bored. Uh, yeah, he's, and he's not, he doesn't have a very cool vibe to him. No, honestly. He's no. just kind of this older dude who's yeah. kind of like, you know, you know he can't sing anything, so he just kind of raps it. It's terrible. The scenes are okay. It's just a bunch of shit that happens ultimately. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, like there's clearly it was all done in the studio. They were I, they they didn't spend any time in Thailand. Everybody, uh, Chat no. GBT, no time in Thailand was spent in this video. No. Uh, but you know, it's fine. I don't love it. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. Nice. Uh, like uh, this is what I said. It's not terrible. There's some decent uh, cinematography and and little camera VFX going on. It's, it's visually appealing, though, a little washed out, honestly. Like, it's not vibrant. I was watching that video of the stage production, and when those neon lights come down, and they're like, you know, like, they're, they're like, it's almost like the skyline, but in neon lights and all this, it looks very cool. Of course, I chalked that up to this coming out a year and a half before the musical came out. Yeah. Um, you would expect it to have, uh, uh, like I said, you would expect to have more elements to the musical, but of course, the musical didn't really exist. Uh, Murray Head looks so bored. I think it's the point of his character. I actually expected this to be more offensive, but there's still some cultural <laughs> depictions here that aren't great. Yes. Overall, it wasn't a waste of time. I'm going to give it, like you, a 5 out of 10. All right. The song. Uh, uh, the song's an all-timer for... Uh, actually, you know what? All-timer is a little bit strong, but for an 80s song, it's a, it's yeah. a pretty big, like, big-time 80s song. I, I think it's great. The lyrics are super saucy. I mean, it's from a musical, which helps... Uh, the, the chorus is good. The intro to the song with the orchestra going into the, uh, the very first set of lyrics is amazing. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I'm giving it an eight. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the song's pretty slanky. Uh, listen, Head's performance is up and down. There's some parts where he sounds like he's, you know, like he's fired up, and other times he doesn't. That's okay. Doesn't make it a. It doesn't make a ter- for a terribly dynamic performance, but it hits certain notes and it's good. Uh, the instrumentation is is great. I love the bass line. The background vocals are tasty. That flute solo rules. I thought this song was pretty rad back in 1985. I'm going to keep that in mind. I don't want to give this, it's not four stars for me, so I'm not giving it a seven, but I'm going to get close 6.5 out of 10. All right. You're giving lots of 0.5s lately. Can't commit to a number. I'm, I'm, I'm a coward. What can I say? <laughs> nice. All right. There we go. Cooking up for next time around. Yes. Uh, I think I'm going to take us into the 90s and a little bit of Britpop. We're going to talk Connection by Elastica. Oh, yes. Uh, so that's, that's what, exciting. Yeah, that's what we got lined up. And uh, probably a couple of episodes left with uh, regular tracks. And then we'll we'll probably try to uh, scrounge up a couple of Christmas tracks as we head to uh, well, yeah, Christmas. I think our next, yeah, I think our next four weeks we'll have to get at least two 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 Christmas tracks in there. So Yeah, so we'll Definitely. figure it out. If you want a sneak preview of what we're uh, thinking of covering, head over mm-hmm. to the Super Hits Podcast playlist on Spotify and on Apple Music. And you can hit us up at Super Hits Podcast on Instagram or superitspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a request for Christmas songs to cover, uh, let us know. Yes. Uh, I'm Slip with Five Eyes or Sleep. <laughs> I'm Jamie C. My website's megamix.com.com. Thanks for listening, friends. See ya. See ya.